What number is this, Chip? Episode 101. An interview with Sandy Gennaro, drummer of the Monkees. Mickey Dolans has a potty mouth. 50 Summers of Love Tour on its way to you. The Archies meet the Monkees? It's happening. Woohoo! <laughs> okay, not me, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today, and today I'm joined by Christine Carlson-Wolf. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. How are you, Ken? Doing well, doing well. A lot of cool stuff going on in the world of the monkeys. On today's show, we're going to be doing an interview with Sandy Gennaro, drummer of the monkeys, Cindy Lauper, and so many other people. That's going to be fun. But first, some monkeys news. The monkeys are meeting the Archies. Yes, who would have thunk it? But here we are. John Hughes posted on the Zilch Facebook page that, in fact, the Archies would be meeting the monkeys. The Archies is a brand new comic, basically looking at the Archies as a traveling rock band. There's going to be some time travel involved, and the Archies will indeed go back in time to meet the monkeys. Archie's issue number one is out on newsstands and available digitally now, even as we speak. And the Archies are meeting the monkeys in issue number four. And it will be on newsstands and available for download on January 17, 2018. So that's something to definitely look forward to. Yes. It's great to see the monkeys getting back into the world of comics. Um, they were had the long-running monkeys comic books back in the day, and we would love to see them cross over with lots of different acts like Josie and the Pussycats or even everybody's favorite Batman 66. When the announcement was made about the Archies meeting the monkeys, I said... Now they need to have the monkeys, the monkey men specifically, meet up with Batman 66. To which John Hughes popped in and said, wouldn't that be something? So we hope that that's a sign of good things to come. Absolutely. And it looks like the 50 Summers of Love Tour is coming to an end. There are only a few more dates remaining. The next one is Friday the 13th at the Family Arena in St. Charles, Missouri, and we will be at that one. That's right. Uh, We've got Ken and Sarah and myself uh, from the Zilch staff, as well as several other members of Zilch Nation coming in for a pre-party, and we're very much looking forward to that. It's always good to gather a group together, so we're very excited to see everyone and to have a good time at the show with Mickey and Mark Lindsay and the Fab Four. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of fun. These are the three remaining dates. 
Friday, October 13th at the Family Arena, St. Charles, Missouri. Sunday, October 15th at the Genesee Theater in Waukegan, Illinois. And Friday, November 3rd at the Ameristar KC Arena in Kansas City, Missouri. And that'll be it. The 50 Summers of Love. Get out there if you have a chance to see it. This is going to be a kind of a rare thing. And speaking of other shows that folks can catch in October, the Peter Torque. When's, when's that happen? Peter is appearing with the Grassroots and with Peter Noon as part of the Hot Autumn Nights concert in Westbury, New York on October 21st. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be awesome. We love seeing Peter on on the road and we look forward to what what he's going to be doing in the next year. So this is, I can't wait to see what what he's working on because he is working on something. So, and... Who knew Mickey Dolan's had such a potty mouth, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked, shocked, I tell you. <laughs> Mickey Dolan's was recently on an episode of the television show entitled Difficult People. And Difficult People is one of my favorite shows. I know you like it a lot, too. I do, yeah. It's very funny. I love it. It's an exclusive on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, you can find it there if you haven't seen it already. You're looking for episode eight in season three called Fuzz Buddies. Yeah. Julie Klossner and Billy Eichner star in this, and it's it's just a really funny off-the-wall thing. Uh, it's crazy. You're going to hear some foul language, folks. And <laughs> if you're going to wash out someone's mouth, you can get a hold of Mickey Dolan yourself. But, you know, Monkeys fans always... You know, there are some Monkeys fans that just want the Monkeys to be innocent, you know, like it was, or what they wanted it to be in 1966, or what they were selling on primetime TV. But, I mean, we there there's trouble that breaks out on the Facebook page sometimes when people even post a picture of Davy smoking, let alone Davy mooning everyone, you know. Um, That's right. That's but, right. Well, and, and I got to break it to everybody. Um, Mickey knows that he can't say cuckoo on TV. But he learned that he could get away with a few other things. Yeah. So here's some clips from Difficult People, Season 3, Episode 8, Fuzz Buddies. Oh, scissors. It's the cast of Bewitched. The Nicole Kidman remake? Yes, exactly. I need to stab myself. No, it's the old one. I love your stories about how obsessed you were with old 60s TV shows when you were a weird little gay boy. Did I ever tell you that I once wrote a fan letter to Mickey Dolenz? What? Yes, to ask him advice on what to do with my curly hair. And he never wrote back? What a dick. Is there a Billy Epstein here? Oh my god. Oh. My. God! Mickey Dolenz? Yes, I'm Billy. I was just thinking about you the other night. I put you on my dream board. I came to personally thank you for your letter. What? Is this from 30 years ago? I cannot believe this. Look at this. Look at my handwriting. Oh, I was so gay even then. Well, it looks like you got the curly hair thing all worked out. Anyway, I've been doing some introspection. I don't think I was as grateful as I could have been back in the heyday of monkey mania. So I'm thanking all my fans for their letters. I'm up to the E's. You're the seventh Epstein in Manhattan. I know, there are so many Jews here, including Jared Kushner. Why am I talking about him? Mickey Dolenz! Oh my God! Well, I better get going. Gotta catch the last train to... Uh, Clarksville. Massapequa. 70-year-old woman there who sent me a pair of her panties back in 78. She wants me to take her to see Jaws, dude. <laughs> wow. Okay, 
Bye, Mickey Dolenz. Thank you. Mickey, I'm really sorry I walked out on you. We're cool. And thanks for inviting me to this older lady's 12th birthday party. Now, our bat mitzvah girl, Marilyn Kessler, will read from the Torah. Baruch Adonai Ham Billy, are you sure this Budapest Shh, tour story doesn't Mickey, drag Mickey, on to She's reading. Wait, Mickey Dolenz? Uh-oh. You work here? This jerk answered a fan letter of mine only to waste a year of my life helping him rewrite his one-man show. But I'm dying. We're all dying, Dolenz. You're fine. Wait, Mickey, is this true? All right, the jig is up. The only disease I have is one-man show fever. Hold on, you reached out to all of your old fans in the hopes yes, of- Yes, to get free notes for my show, yeah. That is the worst con I've ever heard. Oh, is it? Well, thanks to sucker fans like you, my show is done. And it's perfect, and it's gonna be a smash hit, and none of you are gonna get a fucking penny! I win. I always win. I'm Mickey fucking Dolenz. And I'm Dr. Marilyn fucking Kessler. Now shut up so I can become a woman. I hope you had your seatbelts on if that's going to offend you easily. <laughs> just think I could have had him do a zilch bumper just like this. I'm Mickey fucking Dolenz. And you're listening to Zilch. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> that was, love it. So, so check out that show. It's it's great to see the guys in other media and stuff. And uh, well, and I'll, and I'll tell you, if you haven't seen it yet, it, there's more to it than oh, yeah. him having a potty mouth. There are several good, you know, monkey type jokes that are not the typical ones, uh, and and it's just fun to see him having fun with himself as yeah. as Mickey Ependolence. Yeah, absolutely, great stuff. <laughs> In sad news, the music world lost an icon. Tom Petty from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and the Traveling Woolberries passed away recently. And we'd like to play a song. It's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers doing a version of Stepping Stone. And guy had so much great music and he had Mickey on his show as a matter of fact and talked about oh. how much he loved the monkeys. So without further ado, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers was Stepping Stone.
and memories that you have left us with. Thank you for being part of our pop culture life, part of our record library, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he will be missed. Back in August, we sat down with Sandy Gennaro at the Rock and Pod Expo. We had a bunch of our podcasts there, and we had a for our podcast show, our cheap talk show, and our pop show. We also had the Zilch table there, and we had this huge zilch banner behind us and sandy sat down with us and talked about his career and i kind of let you have control of the interview because it was fun just to it was it was a kind of a surreal moment there's this huge zilch banner there and there's you talking to sandy i was just kind of soaking it all in (laughs) yeah that was very surreal that's that's definitely the right word and even more surreal was having our show bombed by gunner nelson (laughs) Yeah, which you're going to hear. Yeah, he happened to be there uh, as part of the expo as well, and he was walking by and saw the banner, and, well, you'll you'll hear what he had to say. It was great. He he recognized the the logo and what it was all about and animated drawing of our favorite TV show here. (laughs) And That's right. There there is... He sure did. It was fun because actually Sandy was having to nudge me to say, look who's there. Because <laughs> I was so in the moment of inter- the interview, so that was that was fun. And it speaks to the level of a musician and the respect that Sandy Gennaro has in the industry that once he got over the shock of seeing a big four-foot-by-four-foot four monkeys cartoon in front of his face... He looked at Sandy Gennaro and instantly recognized him. So you're going to actually hear that happen <laughs> during this recording. So without further ado, Sandy Gennaro on Zilch. 
Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. We are live from the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, and we are here with the man who kept the backbeat of the last train at Clarksville, the one, the only... Sandy Gennaro. Hey, how are you? How are you doing today? We're doing great. Uh, you are. It's so good to see you. You are so full of energy. This place is madness, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's great. It's Who a nice little, nice little hang. Yep. Yeah, and this is where you live. You live down here, I right? do. I live in Nashville uh, for about three and a half years. Okay, excellent. And uh, you recently jammed with John Billings, who's in the... I did. Mickey's band and yep. has been in the Monkey's band as well. Yep, I was there. I was there when John came in originally, like well, maybe yeah. about ten years yeah. ago or yeah. something. Yeah, so, John's awesome. I had a great time the other night playing those tunes. Yeah, great people. Yeah, people. And uh, you got to play with Phil Schaus and uh, and Jeremy Asprock. Yep, the Rock and Roll Residency here in Nashville. It's Fantastic. awesome. Every Tuesday night. You know what's sad is I finally come to Nashville and there with Gene Simmons. On the other side of the country. Is that this week? Yeah, it's Gene's birthday yesterday. And right. Phil Schaus's birthday as we record this right now. Awesome. Oh, I got it. Hey, Phil, happy birthday, buddy boy. Now, did you know that he was a Monkees fan? Uh, yes. Jeremy and Philip, when I go to the residency, they usually like me to play a song from a band that I was uh, involved in. And Jeremy and Philip told me both that even before the Beatles... They were big monkey fans, and they discovered the Beatles through the monkeys because they found that the monkeys were basically tailored. The, the, the original show was after Help, yeah. or Hard Day's Night, yeah. actually. So that's how they did. Yep. But it's so weird because you meet people from all sorts of rock and roll life. Like, we started out as a podcast, the Kiss show. And now we're doing the monkeys, right? You know, so it just shows the overlap, right? right. And now uh, we're gonna—I'm gonna talk about some Kiss-related stuff with you down the road here. Okay. But we're gonna first kick it off with Sandy. How did you pick drumming, or did drumming pick you? How did you get into being? I—I I was, I was always involved in rhythm ever since I was like, uh, like I don't know, three years old or something. I. I was playing with a toy drum underneath the Christmas tree, and it, it went went on and on and on. I finally fi got my first drum set at the age of 14, oh, wow. and it's been the rest of its history, 51 years later. 51 years later. And it's taken you a lot of places because you also do drum instructional books and all yes, books yes. like that? Yes, yes. I taught at the Drummers Collective in New York City for 27 years, and uh, I put out a couple of um, internationally distributed instructional material and uh, give clinics and do a bunch of stuff. All things drumming. Yeah, now my, my stepson Eric, insane drummer. When I told him that I was talking to you, he's like, oh wow, you know. So I said, I'm going to get you some hookups on some drumming instructional stuff. Awesome. So I'm going to be hitting you up for Okay, that. cool. Okay, Christine, your question. Well, Sandy... Since this is a Monkees podcast, tell me, how did you get involved with them, and what were your thoughts about them as you were coming up? I got involved with them because I had done a gig with uh, their old former musical director named uh, Jerry Renino, and I did a gig. We got, re we got along musically very, very well. When they were having problems with the drummer, I, uh, he asked me to do it, jump in the middle of the tour, and that's what I did. But the Monkees was one, I've done a lot, a lot of internationally known gigs in my life. The Monkees is one of my favorites because of the variety of material that they asked me to play. 
you know, everything from country tinge stuff that Nesmith wrote to Glenn Campbell to Carol King to Neil Diamond to uh, Boyce and Hard, rock stuff, country stuff. Then with Davey's solo stuff, we did stuff from broad, the Broadway thing. Um, Oliver, we did a, a medley from Oliver. Uh, and Davey Jones ended up sleeping in my house. We became very, very close friends. I did every reunion tour from the 87 to uh, when Davey passed away, 2012. It sounds like you were very close with Davey then. Yeah, Davey and I, and Mickey and I, but Davey and I became very, very close friends over the years. And uh, as I said, he ended up um, staying at my house a few times and helped me build my stone wall on the side of my old house in Staten Island. Yeah, Sandy, I'll help you do it. And he, and he, he would bring a, a stone a stone mason instruction book with me. And there he was with his gloves. All right, Sandy, just tell me what to do. So it was awesome. Davey, I love Davey, man. That's a great story. I love that. I can just see him doing that. You must miss him a lot. I do miss him. I do miss him very much. All right. And so does the world. Absolutely. So does the entertainment world. Absolutely. Absolutely. The variety, the, the depth and breadth of the musical styles from the Monkees catalog had to have been uh, keeping you engaged as a performer as well. Because, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it gives you something new to do. Absolutely. As a, you know, the variety, it's not, wasn't just metal, it wasn't just rock and roll, it wasn't just one style. It was, a, as I said, it was a variety of different styles and it was, it was awesome. It was an instructional thing for me because... I learned from being adaptable to all those styles and the dynamics. It wasn't all loud all the time. It was peaks and valleys, and it was just it was just awesome. It was just the gig was just awesome. That's great. That's great. A question we have here is: Did it surprise you to see how the tour was selling out everywhere? I mean, you were in the Monkey Mania Part Two, right? Yeah. You you had no ideas if someone would have said, "Hey, the biggest act in the country in you know one more year would be the Monkeys." Would you play with me when like, the monkeys are going to be big again? And it was. They were huge. Did that surprise you? Did, uh, were you prepared for the impact? Uh, it didn't surprise me at all because at, the, at that time, in 1987, MTV was running the episodes of the Monkeys TV show in like a loop. It was like a over and over and over again. It was a marathon, a monkey marathon. So the popularity was there. I, ha I wasn't surprised when we started selling out sheds and arenas in 1987 it was it was just great and it was the tour that seemingly would not end right it was 87 and they got together um dates just kept getting added yeah. today it was like okay when am i going to see my dog again it was <laughs> it was awesome yeah you have any special memories from back then or stories you could relate uh there's not really many stories i can relate in a public forum like this uh even you know the the the, uh, the nice white white milk monkeys but yeah the, it was just great all the guys were awesome i was very fortunate in being involved in 1997 with the just about the only tour that the four original original monkeys did in the uk yeah and Mike Nesbitt was there, and, and that was like when we moved, when we went over to England to do that, it was like the Beatles arriving. There was a crowd at the airport. It was, it was just awesome. First time in 30 years, the four monkeys were together on the same stage.
Sandy, you've told us a lot about the memories that you had touring with the Monkees through the years. But, you know, you toured with so many great acts. And I'd like to ask you about a couple of them sure. specifically. Cindy Lauper. You, I mean, we talked about you were at the Zeitgeist of Monkey Mania 2 with Cindy Lauper. That was her huge, huge album. Hey, Sandy, how are you? I'm good, Nelson. Hey. Say, say Gunner Nelson. Yes. Gunner, we'd like you to say hi to our folks at Zilch. This is a monkeys podcast. Say hi. Oh, I love the monkeys. Well, hello, sports fans. How are you? I'm a fellow monkey fan myself. Uh, this is Gunnar Nelson. I'm Matthew Nelson's slightly better looking twin brother. <laughs> Thank you so much. So Cindy Lauper was on tour with her best seller, her first album that was a multi-platinum seller. Yeah. Uh, Girls just want to have fun, right? Five. Five million. That's amazing. That's amazing. What was it like touring with her? She, well, was, she was a new act, right? Yeah, she was a brand new act. Nobody knew who she was when I when I first joined the band. The thing that was every tour that I ever did with any artist, and people ask me all the time, "What was your favorite?" I don't have a favorite because they were each special for their own reason. The the thing that was special about Cindy was that I joined her band when nobody knew who she was, and during the like the year and a half I was with her, two years I was with her, I saw the making of the rock and roll machinery where she became a household name over the period of maybe six months. So we started out touring in a Winnebago, everybody on the same Winnebago, opening up for the Kinks and doing these small clubs and and then we appeared on the MTV Rockin' New Year's Eve Ball, 83 into 84 and sub subsequently as a result of that we appeared on Johnny Carson and Tonight Show shortly after the New Year in 84. And when we appeared on the Tonight Show in American Bandstand, the, the gig, Cindy Lauper, blew up. Not figuratively, not literally, figuratively. So I saw the gig grow at a very, very fast pace in a very short amount of time. So when you, to, to compare, when you were with the Monkees, they were already kind of huge right. from, the, from the MTV repeat. And right. so Cindy, you saw start small and, and really, really blossom. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. So another one of my personal favorites that I know that you worked with was Robin Gibb. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the Robin Gibb, I, uh, I didn't tour with him, uh, but I did the record. Uh, Walls Have Eyes, I think the name of it was. And a little bit, that was in 1985, I believe. And prior to that, 1979, I did an album with uh, Tom Dowd, an album for a band called Blackjack. And that included Michael Bolton and Bruce Kulick, Jimmy Haslip, whatever. But the producer of that record was Tom Dowd. And about four, we kept in touch over the years after that record. And in 1985, he called me and said, come down to the Middle East Studios, the BG Studios, and play on Robin Gibb's solo record. And it was produced co-produced by Maurice Gibb and Tom Dowd at Middle East Studios, which is the BG studio. And one of the highlights of that record was the bass player on that record was a gentleman by the name of Phil Chen, who's a, an awesome bass player, and he turned out to be a really good friend. That's great. That's right. Now, you mentioned Blackjack, and my, and my eyes lit up, and I saw Ken's eyes did, too. Yeah. As you know, as KISS fans, we have to ask you a little bit about Blackjack, but I think I'm going to let Ken have that on. Okay, yeah. So the big question is, I mean, I could go on. I want to have you back on the podcast someday. Okay. To talk, because I don't want to bore all the Monkees fans. Okay. But i got to ask you this. Go ahead. If Bruce Kulick 
Jimmy Haslip and Michael Bolton came to you and said, Sandy, we're doing it again. I definitely do it. You do or you And I, I think I think Bruce would do it. Yeah. And I think Jimmy would do it. I'm just not too sure about Michael. Right. But if he decided to do it just for shits and giggles, so to speak, I would I would love that You're opportunity. In. Yeah, You're I'm in. I'm definitely in. So, sure. so what I'm going to do on the podcast is I'm going to start pushing for that reunion. Start, start like a I viral want, thing going. What I want to do is get all the Kiss side things going, you know, and get them to do a thing. Maybe we could do an expo here in Nashville with it and you guys just play. I see Bruce quite often, of all the blackjack guys, I see Bruce the most often because we do the fantasy camps together yeah, yeah. in Los Angeles, so... Yeah. And you know, it's weird. There's that uh, hard rock guy, Bruce Kulick, loves the monkeys. He loves the monkeys. There are a he lot of hard Beatles. rock guys that just love the monkeys, believe me. It's true. It's amazing. Because we all grew up with them. I mean, exactly. I remember rushing home from school. I remember rushing home from school and, and to watch the episodes, you know. That's why it was a big thrill for me. Yeah. Oh, there's Davey. I used to. I'm playing behind Davey. Davey. <laughs> it was awesome, and yeah, it was just awesome. Well, funny story. We went and saw Gene Simmons in St. Louis, and uh, Phil Schaus was coming to meet us. Right? He comes. He recognizes me from across the way. He comes bounding, leaping over tables like this, through a crowd of people. Looked like a quarterback going through, and he goes, "Dude, I just met Peter Tork." <laughs> I know he. Phil actually uh, uh, messaged me a picture yeah. of him and Peter. That it was, was awesome. that same weekend. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. Weekend. They're very big fans of that. That's why every time I do the residency here in Nashville, the rock and roll residency, they ask me to do a couple of monkey songs. It's either monkeys or Joan Jett, one of the one yeah. of the other. Well, you've got such a huge body of work that you've been involved in, and uh, it, it's just absolutely amazing. I want to ask you about beats. So I want you to explain what Beats is. All right. Well, I've been um, doing some motivational speaking as of late. And the, the name of my motivational keynote speech is uh, Beating the Drums and Beating the Odds. And I work off an acronym called Beats. And it's an acronym which stands for a belief, enthusiasm, attitude, tenacity, and service. And based on those attributes, if you do, if you're in a spirit of service to others, and you have a good attitude, and you believe in yourself and your goals, and you're tenacious about reaching your goals, you're gonna you're gonna do some great things because the universe is gonna be very kind to you, whether it's karma or whatever. So, um, you know, I speak to universities, I speak to corporations, uh, musicians, corporate people, and it's going very very well. As a friend of Ken's, I can tell you that you just described his life, his, his philosophy, absolutely. Awesome. And, and mine too, I, you know, always trying to be in service to someone else because you can't make it through life alone, right? It just comes back to you. Absolutely. The more you think outside yourself and make everybody you run into uh, benef benefit from having crossed your path, you know, whether it's smiling at a little kid in a supermarket or whether giving somebody some advice that changes their life. You know, people are gonna remember us after we're pushing up daisies about what we did for other people, not what we did for ourselves. So you think outside yourself, it's like a wheel that goes forward. 
You think outside yourself, push it forward, and it comes back behind you and propels you, and the universe puts opportunities in front of you that you had no idea existed. And it's called serendipity. The magic of serendipity, and my life is full of them. And I'm not gonna go into here, but <laughs> believe me when I tell you, the, my life is full of serendipity, and that's why I'm sitting here today. Just your career alone, and I, I know that life is much more than a career, but your just your career alone is obviously full of serendipitous moments. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I love the way you the, you synopsize that. That's wonderful. Um, you know, you also, besides doing your motivational speaking and being a, a gigging musician and a touring musician, you you are uh, a teacher and instructor, yeah. and and uh, you have some drumming books out as well, right? Tell us a yes. little bit about that, where we can find them. Well, I, I taught at the drumming, you know, bringing the monkeys into this, I was rehearsing in a drum school when I first got off at the monkey gig. I, did, I lived in an apartment in Manhattan. So I had to rent the rehearsal room to rehearse the monkey's material uh, before the tour. When I came out to pay for my rehearsal room, the instructor at the Drummers Collective in New York City said, hey man, did you ever think about teaching? And I said, no, but he goes, well, you'd be willing to give it a try. So I did. He goes, after you get off the road with the monkeys, call me and I'll set you up with some students. I did, and that was the start of a 25 years teaching career at the Drummers Collective in New York City. And I taught rhythm section classes. I inaugurated the music business program there. And when I, right before I moved, when I moved to Nashville, I was the number one, well, number two, actually, in terms of seniority, a faculty member at the Drummers Collective. And that basically became my day job. Whenever, whenever, whenever I was in town and off the road from touring, I used to teach drums, which, which was just an awesome. I became a better drummer for it. And um, I made a lot of friends. And as a result of my teaching career, I put out uh, Drum Basics, which is, um, uh, yeah, there was a DVD and a book. And I put out uh, the contemporary rock styles, contemporary styles, contemporary rock styles for the drums. And that's also a book and a CD. Excellent. Excellent. You were in the Cyndi Lauper band when it was the time to be right. in the Cyndi Lauper band. Yes. Time after yes. time. That's right. And you played on that track, Yes. Right? Got the Cyndi Lauper gig in 1983. And 1981, I was with the Pat Travers band. I was in a real big hurry to get out of the dressing room. There was a guy standing in the doorway, kind of standing in my way, and I didn't blow him off. I was very polite. He goes, I love the way you play. Uh, and I said, I'm really in a hurry, man. He goes, man, I just want you to recommend me as a bass player to, to uh, some gigs in New York City, because I lived in New York at the time. And I said, listen, I don't have time to, to uh, and I don't recommend anybody until I hear you play. So here's my card, I gave him my home number and my address. Here's my card, send me a cassette of your playing. So he did that subsequently. I set him up with some auditions, he never really got any, but about three years later he called me and he said, I'm managing this girl now, I just signed her to Epic Records, we want you to play in the band. I said, well with all due respect, like I can't uh, uh, recommend you without hearing you, I'm not gonna accept a, a gig after coming off an arena tour with a brand new band without hearing the material. So he sent me a cassette, it was some demos they were working on at the time, a recording in the, at the Hit Factory in New York, and I went down to meet her and it was Cindy Lauper. 
So my, my thing about serendipity is that if yeah. I would have blown off that guy in the doorway, I would have never got Cindy Lauper's gig. And as a result of touring with Cindy Lauper, I met the woman that I end up marrying, and she's still my wife 35 years, well, about 27 years later. So uh, the lesson there is you treat the janitor the same way you treat the CEO. You treat the person selling the merch the same way you treat the artist when you, when you meet the artist. Everybody is the same no matter what clothes they wear, no matter what job they have. Everybody is a human being and deserves your respect. Absolutely. I want to ask you, you mentioned you, you got to work with the monkeys when they were with Mike. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Talk about each one of the guys and tell us a little bit about them, something that we might not know. Well, <clears throat> I mean, don't don't do the X-rated stuff. No, I'm not going to do any X-rated stuff. <laughs> well, you know what? With the monkeys, there wasn't really there wasn't really much X-rated stuff. But you know, Davy was Davy was the prototypical entertainer. He at 16 years old, he appeared on Broadway. He used to in New York City in Oliver. He told me stories about him being in the Plaza Hotel partying with Judy Garland and and all these Broadway stars and whatever. He was the stereotypical entertainer and everybody loved the guy. He held the audience in the palm of his hand every single show. My Mickey Dolenz, many people don't realize, like Davey was the lead singer, but Mickey sang lead on a lot more yeah. singles than, than Davey did. Yeah. Um, and Mickey Dolenz is still at it today. He still tours all over the world today with the monkey, with Peter. Um, and as a solo artist. And I know several people, John Billings and Wayne Avers, too, that are still in the band or whatever. I love Mickey. He's got one of the best rock and roll voices. He's a very easygoing guy, and, and we're still friends today. And he Mike, still has it. And he still totally has it. He has, he, he, he's a great entertainer as well. Peter Talk, I love the guy because his sense of humor and his knowledge of the blues, and, um, and he loved Led Zeppelin, which which made him an immediate, immediate fan of mine. And Nesmith, he's the one that um, I know the least because we only did that three-week tour of, um, uh, of uh, the UK in 1987. I don't really know much about him, and I had very limited conversations with the guy. So, but I, I heard that he was a very accomplished musician, and there you go. Mine was uh, some California kind of rock and roll. I had a rock and roll group once before the monkeys called Mickey and the One Nighters. Because that was it. Uh, one night. We did a lot of blues tunes. Of course, at uh, 18, 19 years old, you don't know what those songs mean, but uh, you soon find out. When you just give love.
it was kind of weird. Nobody ever thought we'd see Mike back with them at that point. Right. Who knew? You know. Who knew? And as as things have went uh, over the years. Uh, oh, by the way, Sandy, I'm going to interrupt this interview. This this woman wants to meet you. She's a monkeys fan. Shake his hand right here. Look Hi, at how are you? Nice to see you. Thank you very much. Thank very, you. very, very generous with this fan. Sandy Gennaro that's is very correct. generous. That's see, that's how that works. You know. Yeah. Thank you. Now, where were you when you heard about Davy's passing? I was at home in New York, and uh, this was in 2012. And I'm sure everybody knows the story, but he uh, he was training his horses in Florida. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't really feeling well, and his trainer said, "Go ahead, Davey, go go in your pickup truck and relax a little bit." So there he was, within the eyesight of the um, of the trainer. He had his pickup truck with the door open, and the trainer, after about 20 minutes, a half hour, was wondering where he didn't see Davey in the pickup truck. So he walked over, and and Davey had gone at that point. It was a big shock because um, apparently, I think that was sometime around <clears throat> March of 2012 and in January prior a couple of months prior to him passing he was cleared by a doctor being totally healthy and he used to go for checkups all the time he didn't you know he he had an occasional cocktail he didn't smoke and you know he basically a healthy guy active with horses and stuff and it was a shock to everybody even his band his family as fans, everybody. I still think about Davey all the time. Yeah. Well, like, what, what, what comes to mind? Like, what comes to mind is Davey s- sleeping in my house. <laughs> and we play, we played a place called. He had a place in Pennsylvania, in Beavertown, Pennsylvania. And during the summertime, he kept his horses there. We played in a. We did a gig in Westbury Music Fair in Long Island. And he goes, hey, Sandy, instead of driving all the way back to Pennsylvania, we got to pass through Staten Island where you live. Why don't I spend the night at your house? And then the Sunday morning, I'll get up and I'll help you bring your, I'll help you build your rock wall. I was building a rock wall on the side of my house in Staten Island. I go, perfect, Davey. The next night, he helps me with my rock wall and whatever. So we call out for Chinese food the next night. And I made the mistake of using paper plates. And my wife is going... Sandy, Davy Jones is in the house. You're going to use paper plates? I go, ah, he's an old friend of mine. He's just one of the family, whatever. But I pulled out the paper plates and he goes, hey, Sandy, well, I'm a guest in your house and you're going to give me paper plates. Well, <laughs> needless to say, for, for until he passed, I never heard the end of it. Hey, there's Sandy. He tried to give me paper plates and serve me dinner at my house. He never heard. I never heard the end of that story. Isn't it weird how something like paper plates is? That's what oh, you're good. Or give Davy some. Him, give Davy some ammunition, and he'll fire that gun for years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. By all reports, he is a great guy to be around, and he just let just so much love that he put out in the universe and it goes to what you were talking about earlier the more you put out the more that comes back right and in a good amazing. way yeah. right well like even here i'm i'm not trying to toot my own horn but like we started this and we've started like so many different shows like we do a heavy metal show which led to a monkey show which led to one of our co-hosts does a library podcast but the more that we put out, right. it keeps coming back. People have come up today, and I'm telling you out there, 
this is how the world really works and this is how the world's supposed to work. Correct. And that's the beautiful thing. I loved what you said earlier. That's right. So on point. Yep. So, Sandy, you talked a little bit about the monkeys for you personally growing up and, and how you came to them and so forth. So this is a question that we ask all of our guests. What is your favorite monkeys television show episode? Do you have one? I can't say I have one. I, I watched all of them. I can't really say I have one. A couple of images come to mind. Is like Davy with the stars in his eyes, and when you know when Davy he told he tells he used to tell us stories about behind the scenes and the the black room that they had on the set, the black box. But he told the story with, hey, I uh, remember when I used to walk on the beach next to those tall leggy models. Well, they used to call for the man maker. Hey, get the man maker for Davy. And actually, what that was was a box. And Davy had to stand on a box because he was all a five foot three. In the little, boots. In boots. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so that that's uh, there's no real favorite episode. But you know what? People don't realize that the Monkeys TV show was a predecessor of MTV because during the credits, when they were all in their quote unquote house, they used to play what the current single was, whether it was Clarksville or I'm a Believer or whatever. As the credits rolled, there's the Monkeys in their little house lip syncing to whatever the hit was. So the next day, the, all the all the little kitties would go out and buy the single of Clarksville or whatever it was. They, they use video to sell albums or so, records. So true, so true. Okay, that's a good segue. Speaking of the music, then, what's your favorite song? Um, I don't. I I can't say I have a favorite monkey song. And let me ask it two ways: want your favorite to hear, and your favorite to perform. I like the song "She." I mean, I can't really, what am I doing hanging around a country tune? I mean, Clark, you know, of course, all the hits, Believer and Clarksville. One of the favorite things I performed with Davey was an Oliver medley. It was a medley from the Broadway show Oliver, which if you haven't seen Davey's solo, you probably haven't seen it. But uh, I, I love, for the reasons why I outlined, outlined earlier, I love all the Monkey songs. I mean... Um, I Want to Be Free was awesome. Um, Davey did a song that he wrote that I dedicated to my mom at her funeral called I Love You Forever. And that was just an awesome song. I get chill bumps when I hear that song, but I, I don't have a favorite. What do you think of that? I love Pleasant Valley Sunday, PBS. <laughs> I love it. And I live in a neighborhood here in Nashville that reminds me of Pleasant Valley. Uh, yeah, like it's very middle class, or middle upper class, very nice. Yeah. Charcoal burning everywhere. Yeah, part, yeah. <laughs> color TV in every room.
Well, Sandy, thank you so much for spending some time with us here in Nashville. It has been an absolute blast for me, personally. I know Ken is giddy, too. And we just wish you all the best going forward. Christine, thank you so much. And Ken, thank you so much for your time. And for all your monkey fans out there, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. This is John Billings of the Monkeys Turing Band, and you're listening to Zilch, the Monkeys Podcast. We'd like to thank Sandy Gennaro for being part of the Zilch Podcast. Great guy. We hope to have him on again. And it's cool that he and John Billings of the Monkeys have been doing some cool gigs in the Nashville area, especially to help people out with the floods. That was really neat that they were able to do that. They raised some money to help the victims of the various floods in throughout the nation and around the world. It's very cool that the power of music can do that, right? Absolutely. Everybody knows that Nashville is known as Music City. There's a reason. But it's still uh, very fun to see names that you're familiar with from various bands, various fandoms, working together, and especially when they're working together for a good cause like that, for the flood relief. Indeed. And the next day, as fate would have it, you helped set up a little lunch with the aforementioned John Billings and his lovely wife Amy. Courtney Cronin Dold, one of our hosts on the Pop Podcast, and she'll also be joining us on the next episode of Zilch, by the way. We all got to sit down at a lovely restaurant in Nashville. What was the name of it? Husk. Yes, Husk. And it was fantastic. They came down and they had lunch with us. And we just got to break bread, hang out, and talk about all the things that we love in life. And it was just an enjoyable way to wind up an enjoyable weekend. It was really cool. Can't say enough good about John and Amy Billings. I absolutely love John and Amy. And it's always fun to be able to spend some time together with them. Um, John, especially, is such a great ambassador for the Monkees. He uh, is so gracious with his time towards all the fans, and his wife is a perfect partner for him because she is his champion, and she is uh, a cheerleader and a supporter of the monkeys as well. So if you get a chance to, um, to be somewhere where they are, don't be shy because they will be happy to speak with you and take pictures and and um, there's just genuinely nice folks yeah and it was also cool that they joined us in st louis last year in october at the monkeys show at the zilch meetup it was really cool because john brought amy and his family up with everybody that was there at the zilch meetup it was it was a lot of fun and as fate would have it it is John and Amy's anniversary, so happy anniversary to John and Amy Billings. Isn't that cool? <laughs> well, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Zilch. We apologize for some of the audio because we recorded this live and uh, not in our usual Zilch studio. So we hope you enjoyed it, and we want to thank you for listening today. Tell a friend. We will see you on the next episode of Zilch. We'll be doing something very scary for Halloween. The spookiest monkey's moments. So Whoa. it's going to be scary. Ooh, scary. Be looking for that. We'll see you on the next episode of Zilch. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. And that's our show.
Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.